0: a few words on a piece of paper, a sudden moment of clarity, a life changed forever. Throughout the ages people have been challenged, inspired, moved and transformed by the words of the world's divine educators. My name is Sean Hinton and in this podcast Moments of Meaning I talk to people whose lives have been profoundly affected by the sacred writings of the Baha'i faith and ask them about the story of how it happened. I'm thrilled to have with me today Bahia Nachavani, a writer and poet who lives in eastern France. Now, Bahia... We're talking just after the US election results have come in, and the passage you've chosen speaks to this moment. Can you read it for us please?
1: Oh God, let this American democracy become glorious in spiritual degrees, even as it has aspired to material degrees, and render this just government victorious. Confirm this revered nation, to upraise the standard of the oneness of humanity, to promulgate the most great peace, to become thereby most glorious and praiseworthy among all the nations of the world. O God, this American nation is worthy of thy favors and is deserving of thy mercy. Make it precious, and near to Thee, through Thy bounty and bestowal.
0: Tell me, how how do you read this passage today?
1: I'm so glad it's a possible prayer to say at this stage of my own life, because I read it again last night after I heard the results of the election, and I was reading it again this morning, and I suddenly realized that it was as if I was reading it for the very first time because I've been reading this all my life. And there are certain moments in my life when I read it with a very different attitude. And so, if you permit me, Sean, I'll I'll tell you the history of this prayer for me. I first remember reading it long ago when I was a teenager. And at that time, I had a very judgmental attitude towards America because I was the generation, the hippie generation, the anti-war, anti-Vietnam generation. And I remember very vividly my feeling about that prayer because there was a particular summer, I remember. And as a young Bahá'í, I had the privilege of growing up able to go to the Holy Land, and I would find myself guiding at the Baha'i Shrines. And there were, of course, many, many tourists that were of my own age. And I remember there was this one young man, I mean, I was something like 18, 17, I don't remember exactly the age, but I was drawn to the young ones particularly, and we started talking, and he was clearly... Um, very, very political and very anti-Vietnam at the time. And he and I started talking outside and I invited him to come to our home and he got deep into conversations with my dad and he was very hot on the subject of the US being involved in, in Vietnam This was all just prior to Watergate, it was Nixon, it was everything. Everything was political, political. And I remember when he left, I was extremely roused up and um, (laughs) very eager to sort of jump on the same bandwagon. And that was where I found myself reading the words of this prayer with a, a feeling of, I don't know how to describe it. It was something like Indignation. <laughs> I mean, if it's possible to say a prayer in a state of indignation, that's how I read these words. This just government, this revered nation, is worthy of thy favours. I kept thinking, how on earth? How can abdul baha described this country, this American nation is worthy of thy favor, this just government, as if it wasn't unjust. How could abdul baha gloss over the injustice of, of this nation and call it a just government? Very, very outraged by all of this. And I was reading the prayer politically, if I could put it that way. And it really upset me, and I could never bring myself to say this prayer. I used to, for years, I would tiptoe around it, you know, I would bump into it as I opened the prayer book, and I would say, oh my goodness, it's that prayer for America. And I would sidestep around it in a sort of embarrassed sort of way, because I didn't want to have to look at it really seriously, because I was reading it through this filter, Of political indignation against uh, a particular moment in history where I was of a particular age and the context around me was influenced by um, feelings of my generation that were very, very anti-American. So many years passed and uh, I found myself in another state of mind in another period of my life and at that point I was actually in America. And I found myself reading this prayer or hearing it read again. And I noticed that my reactions to it had again changed. Had not, I was not reading it politically anymore. It was with acute embarrassment because at this point I was reading it, um, thinking in terms of the culture. So, I had stopped reading the prayer politically and I was now reading the prayer as it were culturally, thinking about what America had become for me at that time, living in Washington, Thinking of how I was observing the Americans around me, the culture around me, the embarrassment that I sometimes felt because I just found I didn't fit in. There was a kind of awkwardness that I always felt on the outside of the American world, you know, the American culture. And I, when I was reading these words at that point, this American nation, most glorious and praiseworthy among all the nations of the world, I became embarrassed. By these words. I was embarrassed, for example, by the fact that Americans around me were treating the fall of the Berlin Wall as if it was a sign of American hegemony all over again. You know, we have won the Cold War. I found myself thinking, well, how do I harmonize these two points of view? Abdu'l-Baha speaking about this just government, this glorious nation with its wonderful destiny, and this corrupt rotten-to-the-core materialistic country, which is what I was observing and feeling at the time in the 1990s, I was thinking, how can I as a Baha'i say this prayer when I feel that this is not the right way, this is not the right thing to do? America's doing something wrong here. (laughs) So, again, I had a totally different way of reading that prayer, and I was still unable to really read it. And here I am again, another 30 years have passed. And last night, I said to myself, my God, I have to say this prayer because I feel as if I'm, I'm just one of billions of people around the world today who have this extraordinary global sense of gratitude and relief to know That there are words like unity, words about healing being expressed, words about the need to think of the future and the unity and the wholesomeness of this glorious country with its diversity, things that were all packed into this prayer. And I found myself saying the prayer for the first time with a spirit of enormous gratitude, not politically, not culturally, maybe just the tip of the iceberg of actually beginning to say this prayer with a sense of its spiritual power, that it has embedded in these words the potential for all that is the best for this government, for this nation, indeed for all nations, but particularly this nation, which has such an impact on the rest of the planet. And suddenly it it became almost palpable to me that when Abdu'l-Bahá is revealing this prayer for the American nation, he's praying for the world and he is praying that this nation will be one of the keystones to the arch of unity and the most great peace in the world. And it was so much more than anything I had ever read or understood the prayer to mean before. But when you invited me to participate in this wonderful program, I thought, this is the prayer that I've suddenly understood in a new way for the first time, last night and this morning.
0: Has this change in how you understand this passage come about from changes in you, do you think, or changes in the world?
1: Certainly for myself, there has been huge change in my life. I'm no longer a An adolescent. I'm no longer a a person living in Washington, being influenced by that atmosphere of being in America. And I've got a certain detachment now, which I didn't have before. I don't know whether that brings me closer to the truth or not, but it certainly has had a huge um, change on the lens through which I read the words. But I think the times in which we live have changed so much over the past 50, 60 years that um, the context in which we are reading has had a huge effect on how we understand things. I remember this whole notion of political engagement and non being non-political. I understood in a very different way when I was a young person from what I understand it to be now. It's only been time and witnessing how manipulative the political partisanship processes in the world how manipulative they can be how easily they can coagulate human society into clots and clumps of of a, opposing concepts and divided camps And tribal warfare in in our ideology, how easily that process can manipulate initially very naive and very optimistic attitudes to want to support the good and and oppose the bad. We get manipulated in ways we don't realize. I'm living in France now, which is a completely other sort of political environment than it was in in the other times of my life when I read these words. So, everything influences our reading. And I think it all does mesh and meld together and create a new pair of glasses for us to read through, as it were.
0: How do you reconcile the words in this prayer that seem to describe an America that is different to how many see America today?
1: When I was a young Baha'i and very literal in my reading of it, I was seeing it as a clash between the reality I was seeing around me And the words on the page. I was seeing the words on the page being contradicted by the external reality. And now I believe much more that the words on the page are capable of creating the reality around me, much more aware that because of the power of these words reaching out towards concepts like oneness, concepts like justice, Concepts like, to become, he says, thereby most glorious and praiseworthy among all nations. He is himself speaking in the future tense, in the potential tense. And you get the feeling that these words are endowed with the power to make us become what it is we're reading. You know, in the Baha'i Writings, Baha'u'llah even spells it out and says that evidences of discord and malice are apparent everywhere. But it's within this context that we then have to leap outward, leap forward, and project ourselves into the best, the highest potential. I think that's what made me almost weep when I realized that finally we're going to begin to hear words coming out of America, which are its best self. There is some need, some hunger in all of us, to begin to project ourselves into the best that we can be. And these words somehow summed it up for me last night um, when he says, um, let this American democracy become glorious in spiritual degrees, even as it has aspired to material degrees. Render this just government victorious. It's again beseeching us beseeching the government, the nation, the peoples of this place to reach out towards its best self. In calligraphy, when that first drop of ink falls on the page, that is the beginning of the word. It gets traced out of that first blob of ink with the nib of the pen and and the finest of calligraphers is able to trace the word from the very first blob. So in that first drop of ink, you have the potential for the whole word. And I think there is that feeling also when we read the words in the Baha'i writings and the prayers that we're getting in that first drop all of our potential and it's up to us in our lifetime to pull the word out of that potential, and aspire to our best selves.
0: Our understanding of any particular passage is informed by our reading of other passages in the Baha'i Writings, and I guess we develop our overall understanding rather like a mosaic. So I wonder, are there other passages in the Writings that have helped you to understand and make sense of this one?
1: I love your image of the Mosaic, but there are so many passages in the Baha'i Writings we can't take in isolation. In fact, if we do, we find ourselves getting trapped in ideas of contradiction, as if something is cancelling something else out. But in fact, it's adding to it. It's all about and, it's not but. It's this and that and the other and the other. And the circle keeps widening. And each glimpse you get, each fragment of the mosaic is adding to a bigger and bigger picture. And sometimes you get congruences, very close congruences uh, in the Baha'i writings. There is another passage which, if you permit me, I will read, which really is almost an echo of this beautiful prayer which is dedicated to America. But there is a fascinating slip or slide or expansion in it, a kind of broadening of its nuance. Aid thou by thy heavenly grace every government that acteth justly towards its subjects, and every sovereign authority derived from thee that shieldeth the poor and the weak under the banner of its protection. It's a beautiful prayer, which is also revealed by Abdu'l-Bahá, the son of Baha'u'lláh. But I find it particularly moving in relation to this prayer I read at the beginning because it takes the same idea of looking towards the, the, the greatest potential of a political entity, of a nation, and broadening it out beyond America to all nations that act justly to all governments that care for their poor and their weak and protect their minorities and protect their human rights. So, it's it's really taking the prayer of America and scattering it out so that it applies to us all in all our different countries. So, it's, it's a fascinating sort of bringing round full circle from looking at one small nation, which is one of the largest, but still, it's a small part of the world, to the whole planet, and how the same principle applies, the same hope and optimism and emphasis on oneness, unity and justice apply to us all.
0: Thank you so much for sharing this story with us, Bahia, on this episode of Moments of Meaning.
1: Thank you so much.
0: The passage chosen by Bahir is from a book called The Promulgation of Universal Peace, which is a collection of over 100 talks delivered by Abdu'l-Bahá, son of the founder of the Bahá'í Faith, during the nine months when he travelled across the United States and Canada. Having spent almost his whole life as a prisoner and an exile in the Middle East, Abdu'l-Bahá was set free in 1908, and he travelled to Europe in 1911 and North America from 1912 to 1913. abdul Baha explained that these travels were motivated by his desire to bring the spiritually renewing message of his father to the people of the world. Forsaking comfort and rest, abdul Baha spoke to audiences drawn from all social and economic circles, whether in churches, homes for the destitute, convention halls, public squares or universities. Although there was already a small Western Baha'i community at that time, it was the presence and guidance of Abdu'l-Bahá that consolidated the efforts underway and expanded the capacity of the growing number of believers. Society at large was particularly receptive to this message of peace, and the Baha'i teachings attracted intense interest in academic, social and religious circles, and Abdu'l-Bahá's talks were reported in all the major newspapers of the time. As alluded to by Bahia, the destiny of America, its spiritual capacity, and its potential to lead the world towards peace was a prominent theme in the talks of Abdu'l-Bahá during these travels. On many occasions he foreshadowed the great station that the American nation could achieve if it turned towards God, overcame the injustices which divided it, and rose united to championing the oneness of all humankind. For more about the Baha'i writings, head to Baha'i.org. For the podcast notes for this episode, try Baha'iTeachings.org forward slash Moments of Meaning. Moments of Meaning is presented by Sean Hinton, sound engineering by Jamie Heath, researched by Nabil Khabipur, and produced by Alex Liz and the team at Baha'iTeachings.org.